I'm Dr. Susan Block, your love doctor, and I'm riding that love train through Valentine's season, the high holidays of love, consisting of Valentine's Day, Galentine's Day for girlfriends, Tortellini Day, you might like that, Captain Max. Tortellini Day. And World Bonobo Day. That's right. That's taken over Valentine's Day in a way. And the original pagan Valentine's Day is Lupercalia. We're going to be very romantic tonight mm. on the train. We will walk through the train and maybe go to the sleeper car. Yes, Valentine's Day does celebrate romantic love. That's right. Between couples. Between couples. It's kind of exclusive. This car is coupled to the other car, which is coupled to the couples. That sounds like swingers, though. A swinger party. (laughs) When you got the couple here and the couple there and then the other couple, then you switch couples. (laughs) Hey. That can be a fun way to spend Valentine's Day. There's all kinds of ways and all kinds of Valentine's Days. And though we have our differences, (laughs) Captain Max and I have been blessed to enjoy, even in marriage, for over 31 years and counting, some very hot Valentine's Days. And pre-Valentine's days. Oh, yes. We had a little pre-Valentine's day foreplay this morning. And foreplay is the play for orgasms, you know. It was a lot of Valentine explosions, fireworks. We still got that Valentine spirit. That's right. But honestly, I have never liked the pressure I feel pressured enough. And Valentine's Day is all about pressure and commercialism and exclusivity, which is one of the reasons that I do enjoy Lupercalia and World Bonobo Day, which is also on Valentine's Day. And, of course, the bonobos are all about a very inclusive, kind of kinky love. Consensual, pansensual, polyamorous, and they are ruled by pan. So we're going to talk about the history of Valentine's Day and Lupercalia. We're almost there. But first, I want to tell you to watch sex before the internet. You know about sex before the internet, Captain Max? I know a little bit about it. (laughs) I used to have sex before the internet was invented. Before it was invented? Are you sure? Because it was invented a long time ago. Long time ago. But but so were you, invented uh, a long time ago. That's true. I'm not sure if I had sex before the internet was invented. Maybe around the same time. 
I did. But I certainly had lots of sex before I knew about the internet, before I was on the internet, before I was poisoned by the internet. And really, there is a certain sexual poison that comes through the internet, and I'm not talking about the porn. Everybody looks so good on the internet until you meet them in person. Mm. Yeah, that's the <laughs> dating sites. Right. Not everybody looks so good. Depends on what sites you're looking at them on. Anyway, this show, Sex Before the Internet, well, that could be V-Day foreplay for you, perhaps, because... It's going to be premiering this coming Tuesday if you're listening to us live and then you'll be able to watch it whenever you want. But it is a new documentary series on Vice TV and it's produced by former ABC News president James Goldstone and it has to do with all kinds of sex before the internet including porn on VHS and DVDs, but not really sex before the internet. I think it's more about sexual media before the internet. That's how it seems to me, because if it was sex before the internet, I mean, they'd have to start a billion or so years ago, more than that, because sex started way before the internet. But I think they're really getting into like sex in video and TV and that kind of thing. So I'm in episode five, talking about HBO and real sex and radio sex TV. That's right, brothers and sisters. It's not TV. It's HBO. That's what they used to say. And back in the day, HBO was the place to go for adult entertainment that was as smart as it was sexy in those spicy sex exploratory years surrounding around the turn of the 21st century, the end of the 1990s, beginning of the 2000s. It also happened to be very open-minded and funny. And non-judgmental. Exactly. Non-judgmental. Which has always been rare when speaking of sex. There's always some twist on it that it's kind of like sleazy or dirty. Or, yeah. You, you know, smelly. Well, smelly. You know, Aromatic. Aromatic. Right. Well, it sometimes was educational, sometimes just entertaining, but always empathetic. And, yeah, informative in some way. And Real Sex was the flagship documentary series of HBO's rarely promoted but extremely popular sex-positive wing, you could say. And I was very honored to have the Dr. Susan Block Show featured on Real Sex 11 and then Dr. Susie's Speakeasy on Real Sex 25, plus cameo appearances in some of the Real Sex segments with Annie Sprinkle and the Lifestyle Convention. My first appearance on HBO was Annie Sprinkle's boobs on my head. Oh, yeah, right. 
and your head, actually. She had one boob on my head and one boob on your head. But I think the most iconic moment was when I looked through that periscope into her vagina for a public cervix announcement. announcement. Right. These were great shows. And the biggest jewels in our HBO crown were two half-hour, number one Nielsen-rated real sex spin-offs, Radio Sex TV and Radio Sex TV 2 off the dial. Many sex revolutionaries, sex educators, erotic artists, explorers, performers, and sex-positive activists were part of HBO's sex revolutionary programming, which I feel was unprecedented in television history and unsurpassed ever since. There was nothing like it before, and there's been nothing like it since. With all due respect to Gil Scott Heron, this mini-sexual revolution was televised and we were very happy and proud to be a part of it. Although it was also over very quickly and without warning, it was unceremoniously buried in about 2018 when they stopped even running reruns to real sex. And they say, well, you don't need real sex anymore because there's so much on the internet. But really, there's not. We've just been censored on YouTube. And not just censored, but our channel has been terminated on YouTube. And our content isn't even as explicit as it was on HBO. I mean, HBO, Real Sex, and Radio Sex TV had lots of nudity. Mm Mm-hmm, lots of nudity. And sex in different ways, maybe not sexual intercourse. It wasn't porn, and I think that's a key. It did show sex, but it didn't show it in this focused, jack-off kind of way. I mean, nothing against jacking off, and I'm sure plenty of people could jack off to real sex, but it wasn't all about that. It was about anthropology, psychology, sociology, and so many other ologies, different approaches to sex, and eroticism, and humor. And yes, it was unique entertainment and education and there's really nothing like it on the internet and there's been nothing like it since although i will say it is on the internet i mean it's on our site in fact you can watch our shows at drsusanblock.com slash hbo so there we made it simple And one of the reasons we made it simple is because uh, several months ago, I was called by this Sex Before the Internet crew with Vice and asked to do some interviews. So I thought I would look up my old shows. And once I found them, I realized, wow, these are unprecedented and also (laughs) nothing like it since. So certainly I should have it online. And... 
so it is. And you can see all of our, well, almost all, most of our big uh, appearances on Real Sex and Radio Sex TV. And you can uh, read all about it, see some pictures. And also, like I said, this Tuesday, we are going to be on Vice talking about it with my director, Brian Epstein, although he wasn't actually here. Talk about virtual filmmaking. He was in New York interviewing me while his crew was here, and he also filmed us doing an FDR radio show, Captain Max. And so, Brian Epstein, oh, by the way, that's not the Beatles manager, he's dead. This Brian Epstein is a filmmaker. He says I'm great in it, you know. He says, you're a star. Did anybody say anything about me? Well, I'm sure he would have if you were corresponding with him. Uh, I think the reason was probably because he wanted me to sign something. Oh, So I signed it. But I haven't seen this piece yet. So if you're listening to me live... I'll just have to take Brian Epstein's word for it. Go see it. I think it's great. I could revise my judgment after I see it. If it is judgmental, for instance, Real Sex was very non-judgmental, but that doesn't mean that a documentary about Real Sex won't be judgmental. I hope it's not. The people seemed really nice, the crew, but you never know. This is Hollywood. So y'all should let me know what you think of it. So check it out this Tuesday for the premiere, or really, I think, any day or night. You can watch it, Vice TV, Sex Before the Internet, Episode 5. Sheila Nevins is on, mm-hmm. I hear. Mm-hmm. Sheila mm-hmm. Nevins was the vice president in charge of documentary programming, and she had an even higher title eventually, but that's how we kind of knew her as the uh, vice president of documentary programming and she really shepherded all the real sex shows and our radio sex tv shows and she was great it's a lot because of her that real sex was is the way it was and still is and also a lot because of patty kaplan who is also interviewed in this show Sex Before the Internet, and I would say also because of Shari Cookson, who was our director of Radio Sex TV, as well as one of our Real Sex segments. I don't think she is in this particular documentary, but she's great. We love Shari and Charlton. Mm -hmm. Sheila, Mm -hmm. at an Emmy Award banquet, said that with all her prestigious awards, for her more serious documentaries, and she's won Oscars and Emmys and Golden Globes galore, that her true pride and joy was in her pussy films, like Real Sex and Radio Sex TV, and of course Cat House and some other shows that are no longer on. (sighs) Big sigh. In other news, Joe shot down the Chinese spy balloon, Captain Max. Oh, he did? But the orange hot air balloon is still running for president. So, Did he actually shoot it down? I know there With was, a bow and arrow. No, there was a big discussion about this balloon and 
It would fall on somebody's head. And I don't even know if it was a spy balloon. If it was a spy balloon, it was pretty sloppily directed. They had some other very benign explanation for it. Who knows? But in any case, they didn't shoot it down over the Midwest where they first saw it because the fallout from it might have hurt some people or caught fire or who knows. So they shot it down over the ocean off the coast of Pauly's Island, South Carolina, where I had some hot times with a previous valentine. Not the love of my life, though. Just my high school boyfriend. <laughs> Actually, my college boyfriend. Pauly's Island was very romantic. I don't think it is now. But I loved it back in the day. Meanwhile, Ron DeSantis, Florida, is fast becoming Gilead. Right? That's the handmaid's tale. They're banning books and forcing girls to report their periods at school. Can you believe that? <laughs> Sounds like, uh, I don't know. And people say that Ron DeSantis is the stable one compared to the orange hot air balloon. So, go figure. I guess he seems stable, but he really, he doesn't look he's more effectively fascist. He doesn't look stable to me. I think he's a good drinker. With big red nose and big red cheeks, and uh, he's full of shit. Ooh. Excuse me. And he went to Yale. Oh, and another one that went to Yale. Yeah, another one we should be ashamed of. And he was a lawyer mm. who worked at Guantanamo, oh, lying right, to right, prisoners right, 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 to get them to say what they didn't want, how they wish not to be tortured and then he'd do that very thing yeah he's a slime bag as far as I'm concerned and that's only my opinion but to all you people in Florida I feel bad for you uh, and uh, really uh, how awful is that uh, banning of books please come on you know banning of books but doing no, no. There's banning of so much these days, but books is really out there. I mean, basically, there's been a banning of real sex on HBO. They won't run it anymore. I'm sure everybody would love it. Walrus Hung says, I grew up with HBO real sex. I learned so much. Thanks, Dr. Susie. And thank Captain Max, because Captain Max was always in my HBO segments, either on camera or behind one of the cameras. I usually filmed, I did. With Radio Sex TV. Real Sex, you were more on camera. Although you were also behind camera a little bit. They loved your camera style, Max Cam. They, they gave me this big $80,000 camera with motorcycle handlebars on it. <laughs> Ruby Aruba, so sweet. I also grew up on Real Sex. Brian was right about you. You are a star. Now, maybe Ruby wants me to sign something. I think that's why Brian said that, but I don't think Ruby wants me to sign something. Thank you, Ruby. So everybody should watch it and report back and maybe write notes to Vice TV that still has to air our main segment that they're doing, right? Yeah, the one well, with the Bonoboville reunion. 
There's more coming there's from Bonoboville two, on Vice TV. Two, two, two more, actually two more documentaries. Another one on Vice TV and the other one... Uh, on public access. On public access. Which is, we're not sure where that's airing. Possibly on HBO. Right. It's a small world. <laughs> <laughs> We've been around a long time. And we keep going back and forth on these corporate entities, Vice and... HBO, when they'll have us and they'll pay us a little bit or they don't even always pay us. But we get more exposure and we're such exhibitionists. Mm, We can't get enough of showing our stuff. Yes, Ruby Aruba also says, no way would report my menses. Well, you know, you have to, I think. I mean, if I was a little kid... You know, just 13, 14, whenever I started getting it, they said, you have to do this. I would say, Mom, I have to report my period every time I get it. (laughs) I wouldn't even understand why. At that time, I didn't even know it was related to (laughs) anything to do with pregnancy. But then again, I was back in the day before we had sex education. Now, of course, we're back to having no sex education. So everything that goes around comes around. Mm. So instead of learning about sex and how to perhaps enjoy it and prevent pregnancy, we have these young people being forced to report their periods. That's really gross. In more ways than one. Ron DeSantis. I won't say Ron DeSatan because that gives Satan a bad name. And I won't say Ron DeSanctimonious because that's the orange hot air balloons (laughs) idea. We still have to figure out a name. Oh yeah, you did figure out a name. It was the Phony Cafoni. Phony Cafoni. That's Ron DeSantis. Say un cafone. Okay. So before we get into the story of Valentine's Day and a little Valentine foreplay, which we've been having, get those orgasms in, folks. It's the Valentine's season. And, you know, if you can't find someone to love, consensually love yourself spiritually and physically try to do it mentally too but that's a little tough I I have a hard time with the mental part but spiritually I love myself and physically sure yes Mm, at least I did this morning and I loved you and your love machine my senior Valentine sex machine Captain Max Yes. Mm-hmm. Actually, Max came to bed really late this morning, and I was already asleep, and you kind of motioned for sex, gestured, and at first I was like, ah, no, you know, pushing him away. And I mean, that's okay. You can do that when you're married, or even when you're not married, if you're in the same bed. And it's, there's nothing wrong with a little rejection. Or trying and then getting rejected but then I found myself awake I couldn't sleep so 
my rejection turned into seduction. And then he was all like, well, we don't have to because I had done the rejecting. So when you do reject in the beginning, you sometimes have to go, yes, I do mean it. I really want to now because the rejected person feels a little wounded. So you have to kind of emphasize your interest, which I did. And then we had great Valentine's Day foreplay. Right, Captain Max? Yeah, You're not responding quite, at all. No, I'm just listening uh, very carefully. Uh, <laughs> it was very early. People might think I'm making this up. very early in the morning, and you were pushing me down and down and down, and I kept sliding down along your... Mm, <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, uh, so that's what I did this morning? Okay. Uh, you did a lot. Sounds good to me. And uh, then we went to sleep. Knocked out. Knocked the F out, F standing for fuck, by the way, which we mean in the best sense when we're referring to this morning, although sometimes we understand that word can mean bad things, and that's why it's a great word, because it means so many different things, and that's why this love train that we're on, which is not a bullet train, unless you mean a bullet vibrator, this love train is a peace train, and it is named FDR, which stands for Franklin Delano Roosevelt, as well as Fuck to Rich. Nicely, of course, always nicely. Although we get misunderstood a lot, which maybe is one reason we're being censored all the time. Although we notice that so many of our colleagues are also being censored these days. Another big Palestinian channel was taken off of TikTok, Captain Max. So there's a lot of people being censored. And of course for sex, but mostly I'm hearing for politics. And mostly I'm hearing for leftist politics. It's a sad, sad thing. And yet, here we are, moving along. So... Remember Army Hammer? Arm and Hammer? Arm well, and that's Hammer? the baking soda. Right. Army Hammer yes. is kind of related in the sense that I think it was his grandfather or great-grandfather that was named Arm and Hammer and that bought Arm and Hammer baking soda or a big share of it. Okay. And he's an actor, was, is kind of a celebrity for sure and he had been revealed to have a cannibal fetish and some said that he was almost being criminal somehow or actually being criminal he was reported to the police and investigated I don't think he was actually charged with anything but now he is giving his recipes. I, I mean, telling his side of the story. His recipes for how to cook a human? <laughs> that was a joke. Oh. Right. The leg of... It's le really strange because he is revealed to have these cannibal fantasies and fetishes in addition to just general BDSM domination desires. And eh, 
acting kind of assholic, I would say, with younger ladies, not underage, but yeah, in their 20s while he was in his 30s, on the internet, various places, Instagram, messages, wherever. And so people got mad. And they're still mad that he's now telling his side of the story, in a way. And maybe getting a little publicity, because he is well-connected, let's say. Just the name alone. But also, he has been in Hollywood for a little while. So people on Twitter are really mad. It's interesting how they get mad when their cancel culture kind of gets reversed by the elites, so to speak, by Hollywood in this case. It's really like they want their pound of flesh to devour. It's really like they're the cannibals in a way. And they want to eat these celebrities, eat the rich, really. I mean, hey, we say fuck the rich, but people have been saying eat the rich for a long time. And there is this kind of cannibalistic, angry desire to consume the rich who are consuming us. And it's not that I'm trying to defend Army Hammer. I mean, he sounds like a rich, spoiled narcissist, actually. I would not want to eat him myself. <laughs> but it is interesting to watch cancel culture engage in a food fight with a cannibal. Apparently he was seduced by his church youth pastor when he was 13. Which is a common story, of course, among churchgoers. Right? Wait a minute. The... the, the the church pastor seduced him, had sex with him, oh, molested oh, no, him. but didn't eat his toes or anything like I that? I don't think so. Oh, I think okay. he has all his toes. Okay, but good, I think good. he was dominated, of course, okay, of by course. this adult pastor, this man of God. Therefore, so he says, perhaps so he has learned in therapy, he now wants to dominate. He likes to be in control. Okay. It's a common story that these church pastors are hypocrites, of course, in one way or another. Well, uh, you know, uh, uh, something happened to them. When they were kids, they jumped out of the vagina, and all of a sudden there were a bunch of people trying to get him to join something, and they were throwing shit on his head, and water and, and, and they blessed them and then they told them about going to hell forever and just scared the shit out of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God. But then when they also molest you, which of course is done in all kinds of religious institutions, it's rather common, I guess, more common maybe than secular institutions that the molestation of the young flock goes on because perhaps these pastors and priests and ministers are quite repressed and so they go after 
their flock and often their younger flock. And while they're preaching that these youth will burn in hell for touching themselves, they go and touch the youth. And then it becomes a terrible cycle of pain and punishment. And it doesn't always make you accountable. But in Army's case, I guess it did. At least the fetish. I don't think he really eats people's toes. There's a lot of fetishes, by the way, brothers and sisters, that you can fantasize about, that a lot of people do fantasize about and don't do in real life. It's just our mind is like a movie multiplex or like Netflix where you can watch all kinds of movies, whatever you like, and switch without even thinking about it. Life is not so easy to switch around. So enjoy your multiplex. Don't feel guilty about what you think about, what you fantasize about. Do stop and think about whether or not you're going to try to act on any of these fantasies and if you need some help with that if you just like to bounce that off of someone maybe you have a fantasy about valentine's day it's coming brothers and sisters what do you want for valentine's day do you have a desire i mean it's the season i say after groundhog day and before the 14th this is the time. I know, it's pressure. We're going to talk about how not to feel so pressured through Lupercalia. But nevertheless, we know you all feel it about Valentine's Day. Uh, maybe not all of you. This is a multicultural group. But if you're feeling it, or even if you just are enjoying it, you could share your Valentine's fantasies. And if you are too shy to do it in the chat, you can always call us at the Institute and talk privately. And our phone number is 213-291-9497. You got any Valentine fantasies, Captain Max? Uh, no, actually. Uh, you achieved them this morning, actually. I had uh, nice Valentine's realities this morning. <laughs> I don't know about Maybe fantasies. a repeat performance. Yeah, so no, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm feeling good. I'm a little stoned, but uh, aside from that, uh, you know, life is good. Aside from that, sometimes that helps well, to that is, get life that to be is good. probably helping me. And that can also help to make Valentine's Day good. Yeah. A little bit. Not too much or you drown the drive. You know, I'm just... But a little bit. I'm just a stranger in a strange land. I didn't grow up in this kind of madness. Uh, Sex before the internet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I grew up uh, in where they want to take us back to, where books are banned and uh, children are shamed. Uh, right. Reminds me very much of the story of Georgina's junior high school, Montclair, New Jersey, back in the 50s. There was a young lady, very beautiful young lady, who was very sexually active. Uh-huh. But she was like 14, 
Oh, yeah, young, young. We're not recommending that no, at all. No, 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 I'm just telling a story about this girl. You, you shouldn't, you do what you want. So, uh, the Mr. Edgerton, uh, he was the principal of the school at the time. And uh, everybody's talking about this girl. And of course, everybody's like, hey, wow, wow, cool. And uh, so he calls a general assembly to tell us boys uh, that if we're caught walking her home, we will be suspended. And I thought that's a very strange thing to, to be saying. And so I went to home to my dad that night and I said, Dad, uh, Mr. Edgerton says that if you walk this girl home, you get uh, suspended. And uh, my dad looked at me, he goes, well, here's what I want you to do. Tomorrow, walk her home. I said, really? Yep, walk her home. And so I did and uh, never had sex with her. I walked her home. I had sex with Rita Little, who had very big tits. Ooh. And all the boys loved these big pie things. But you're taking a detour. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, of no, course, I, we're very interested in Rita Little and her big tits. It sounds like a short story for some sort of erotica. It's her real name. Anthology. Rita Little. Rita Little's big tits. Anyway, you know? so I got suspended. And ah. uh, so uh, then my dad said, okay, let me go talk to this Mr. Edgerton. And he used to have his, his limo would pick him up every morning to take him to his office in New York. And once in a while, I would hitch a ride. In this case, uh, he says, I'll take you to school. And I want to talk to this guy, uh, Edgerton. Anyway, we pull up in front of this uh, Georgia's Junior High School, which has a circular driveway and is uh, very 1950s. And uh, we go in, we sit down in front of the principal and my dad pulls out a camel cigarette. He used to smoke camels for a while. And he lights it up right there. And of course, there were no rules or there was no such thing as no smoking areas, you know. Um, and he lights it up and then he offers me one. At which I say, yeah, thanks, Dad. <laughs> and then my dad goes into a tirade against Mr. Edgerton and uh, how shaming that girl was just out of the question and uh, anyway uh, I got my suspension was over I got back into school and I only missed a couple of classes all right and I could walk her home and what happened to the girl she's still there she's still having sex and we're well all, you don't know what happened to we're that. all oh what happened now no after that I, I don't know but Boy, she was, uh, she was, uh, yeah, hot. How come you didn't have sex with her? Why didn't I have sex? Because I was still kind of stupid. Mm. You know, I mean... Uh, but it makes the story more pure. It's more pure, but I really kind of more stupid. And, I, you know, uh, so anyway, uh, yeah, I had a girlfriend. That's why I think. Oh, okay. I had a girl. You had a Valentine. Yeah, and her name was uh, Virginia Huggins, and she used. Wow, to, uh, what a yeah. sexy name, Huggins. Huggins. Come uh, here and hugging me, yeah. Huggins. And uh, she went to the writing academy where I went, because uh, 
you know, my family, everybody had to go horseback riding so they could learn to be, uh, what do they call them when you ride? Uh, you know, Equestrians. Equestrian, yes, and be able to hang out with high society who have their own horses, mm. you know, so, uh, but uh, she was killed one day when... Uh, Ah, that's so sad. Yeah, she jumped and the horse, uh, unfortunately, kicked her in the head. What a sad story about your valentine. Oh, she was dying. Just loved her. Just like that. But I had just been to Virginia. Her name was Virginia Huggins. And I had just been to Virginia. And I bought a bracelet that said Virginia. It was like this fake gold with all these little things on it hanging. You know, tourist kind of thing. Mm. And um, I had just given her that. And uh, so her mom and dad thanked me and they said, we're burying Virginia with this beautiful bracelet that you Aww, gave her. Oh, how sweet. So that I was her one and only boyfriend. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, so. Wow, they should make a movie about that. Yeah, right? Uh, Poor me. That's a Poor sad her. story, though. I'm going to cry. Yeah. Ah. Uh, well, better than crying over losing my YouTube channel. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe. I don't know. It's pretty bad to be crying over losing my YouTube channel. Well, yeah. But and we did try calling a bunch of YouTube executives and wrote to Susan Wojcicki and got no answer. Speaking of terrible cycles, we're just being censored by repressed people who think they're liberal. (laughs) Really, it's very strange. So, Max, you want to go back in memory lane? No, I got a little sad after telling that story. I know. About Virginia. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you have any dead boyfriends? I probably do. Well, yeah, yeah. But they're not coming to my mind. Well. Okay. Is that a valentine thing to think about? I, well, if you had a good time with them. And I mean, Spalding they, Gray was my uh, boyfriend Spalding for Gray, a while, right, and right. then he killed himself. <laughs> I wasn't his only girlfriend. He had several, and a wife. And a wife. Oh, yeah. He had a lot of activity, and he was a brilliant, genius storyteller and very inspirational. He would help me with my writing, and I would go to his performances, and we'd have sex. Mm. And it was pretty limited. We weren't exactly friends, although I did spend time with him. But it was very sex-oriented. Time. And then I lost touch with him when he had children. Mm. This was our affair during his kind of... I don't know that he was single. He did have girlfriends and a wife. And then he had these children with this other woman. Three of them at once. (laughs) And I hate to put it this way. I'm not judging. But within a few years, he killed himself. And suicide ran in his family. His mother had killed herself. And she had walked into the ocean. And he often put that into his stories when he told them. 
And they were very witty, and he was very sexy, and I was very young, so I didn't see the tragedy that was going on. And I thought he was past that. And maybe he was. But then he got married, or actually he had children after he got married. The children seemed to be the change, or that was the way I saw it because he stopped seeing me. Although you and I, didn't we meet up with him once? I think once, yes. I think we went to one of his shows right, right. together. And, you know, we're kind of friendly, but not nothing too intimate. And next thing we knew, we're hearing that he committed suicide. He threw himself into the New York Harbor. Jeez. Pretty cold water. That's cold. Yeah, yeah. Rest in peace. I'm not going to say pleasure or power, just peace. Spalding Gray. Great, great actor and storyteller, really. We talk about stories all the time, you and I. You're a great storyteller, and so was he. I don't know what I have with men and storytelling. I just like a guy who can tell a story. And that is part of the beauty of Valentine's Day, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, storytelling is very powerful. It's a, it's a very old form of uh, broadcasting, which uh, I always loved. Yeah. Especially in the little villages where the, like, uh, they preach in the, uh, in the village square. Yeah. Yeah. So, speaking of the village square, Ruby Aruba says, yes, I agree, some pastors are full of it. I was molested by three separate pastors. Whoa. That's a lot. Actually, i tell you a little going into the past. Yeah. When my mother grew up, they lived in Villa Phil and Jerry near Naples, and uh, it was on a spot of a very old temple. But they had their own church there, their own uh, uh, prayer where they went Sundays, and they had, and the priests lived there, and uh, they constantly had to get rid of they get new priests because the priests were constantly one was caught masturbating when he was listening to a, uh, to oh, a confession, confession. Yeah, right. yeah, which is very common, you know, because they're on one side and you're on the other side. There's a little curtain, right? And they and where did he touch you? Did he touch you? Where did he touch you? Near your nipple. <laughs> How close to your nipple? I mean, they get very... <laughs> you must tell me in order to be forgiven, my child. <laughs> right? That's the whole racket of the confession. So did I tell you I'm, I'm going to become a, a preacher? Well, I already am. Universal yeah, Life you Church. Are. Uh, yeah. Minister. Yeah, but now I'm going to become a preacher of the Church of the Bonobo Way. Oh, well, join us. I am the irreverend Dr. Susan Block. And I'm trying to catch up. Of the Church of the Bonobo Way. I'll throw some water on you. I'll squirt all over you. Holy water, brother. Actually, Adriana, did you see if there's a Coca-Cola in there? No Coke, though, just Coca-Cola. I don't don't do Coke. No Coke. No Coke. Coke is not really an aphrodisiac, in my opinion, although for some people it is. I love Coke. I mean, I don't do it anymore, and I haven't done it for years. I think a little pot is good. 
So, okay, well, are you ready for at least the beginning of the origins of Valentine's Day? Sure, go ahead. Friends, Romans, country women, lend me your ears. I come to bury Valentine's Day, not to praise it. And I am so sorry to mangle Mark Antony's classic eulogy in Shakespeare's Julius Caesar. But here's the deal. Valentine's Day is fake news. Disinformation. Really. It should be terminated by YouTube according to their community standards. The whole thing concocted by the early Catholic Church. <laughs> yes, those masturbating priests listening to confession. And enhanced by Hallmark cards. Sweetened by C's chocolate. Polished by De Beers overpriced diamonds mined by slaves and abetted by Amazon yeah also slaves involved almost slaves not quite but when you have to pee in a bottle that's kind of slave-like anyway all this overpriced saccharine Valentine's Day fakery is based upon a sexless fairy tale starring Saint Valentine right away you gotta wonder what's a holiday for lovers starring a saint a celibate Christian priest who was supposedly arrested for illegally marrying young people in 4th century Rome when bitter Emperor Claudius wanted fighters, not lovers, to restore potency to the weakening imperial army. Which does actually make a good point. That when you're fucking, you're not fighting. That's why we're fucked to rich. Of course not. You bare ass. <laughs> Fucking bare ass, cold or hot. <laughs> it's not always the case. No. I mean, there are warriors who are also in they sexual. Just, just pull down their zipper. But I don't know if they're having good sex. Good mm. consensual sex. I don't generally like those types of lovers. Uh. So I guess sex goes on at all levels. But there's something to this idea. And, you know, the Romans understood quite a bit. And this Emperor Julius understood that if he forced these guys to not get married and not have wives that they would have sex with and want to come home to, that they would be... Better fighters. Exactly. Yes. Channeling their sex drives so, right. into fighting. Yeah, I mean, that, that, uh, that's the reality of that. <laughs> Uh, it is a certain reality. Yeah. You can't... That's what it's about. Fill, filling the army posts. They're so worried now that the, the, uh, the, um, 
uh, there's no new children, not too many children being born now, you know. Right. But that's only true of the white race, of course. Right. So, <laughs> so, and if you're worried about that, don't even worry about it because uh, 51% of the uh, earth is not, uh, is not uh, is, is fucked, you know. People are reacting to my Shakespeare. Oh, they are. Well, actually, Cut the Pentagon is. Oh. I called out Cut the Pentagon. He's not putting himself into the caller area. Why do I think Cut the Pentagon is a guy? I don't know. But it sounds like a guy. Maybe because, I don't know. Actually, I would say Cut the Pentagon. And I'm not a guy. But it is a guy. Oh, it's Fahim. Yes. Hi, Fahim. I was right. You are a guy, Fahim. And it's funny how people have these different names on call-in that are just totally different. So <laughs> this guy named Fahim, who's there with his dog, is also cut the Pentagon and get with your dog. Cut, I agree. Anyway, he says, Antony's eulogy didn't end well for Brutus and Cassius. No, of course not. They were murderers. I mean, they might have been right that Caesar was a dictator, but hey, they weren't very bonobo. They weren't. And Caesar was kind of, I guess, a populist. Yes, Caesar was sort of a populist. Populist, yeah. yeah. He was definitely a warrior guy, but he was into it himself. He wasn't just pleasure. sending out the missiles and staying yeah, home. Yeah, no, no. And he was screwing all the different all women, women from the different countries, Cleopatra, and then he had his wife, and you don't hear too much about his kids. No, what happened? Oh, don't they Not have... Not too uh, much. Maybe he had a kid or two. I think they own Caesar's Palace. <laughs> right. 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 Well, his nephew, Augustus, Caesar's Octavius, Pizza. he owned everything. He became the Roman of Romans. But Cut to Pentagon also says, Anthony makes me think of Richard Burton and Liz Taylor. They were pretty hot. They were pretty sexy, and they had fights all the time, but they got divorced. We're kind of like the Anthony and Cleo, the Richard Burton and Liz Taylor of Bonoboville, but we don't get divorced. <laughs> and we love each other. I think they did love each other. After all, they got married twice. You know... Uh, they got divorced in between. Yeah. Who? Liz Taylor. Richard Burton and oh, Liz Taylor. Oh, oh, oh. I met I, I met Elizabeth Taylor when she married Eddie Fisher. Ah, that was before uh, Richard Burton. Right. That was mm -hmm. who she cheated on. She cuckolded yeah. Eddie I, Fisher. I, How I'm, about that? I always like to get cuckold into the conversation somewhere. <laughs> I was uh, I was I was a, like a fifteen year old boy, and uh, everybody in the village was very excited that Liz Taylor. And Eddie Fisher were going to uh, bring their yacht into Portofino. So I ran down there with my camera. And at that time, no one in Italy spoke English, really. Mm -hmm. So I was the only one. And I went and I got pictures of her and so forth and wow. so on. And Liz Taylor. <laughs> yeah. And then was she uh, as gorgeous in real life? Did she have violet uh, eyes? Yes, she was a beautiful woman. She was a beautiful woman, and um, you know she invited me on the yacht. She says, "Why don't you come after oh, Eddie? Nice. Go, after Eddie goes to sleep." I said, "I couldn't do that." Why wasn't I there? I would have gone. <laughs> anyway, that's how I met Liz Taylor, and the last time I saw her was with you. 
American Con. Oh, that's right. We yeah. did. I forgot. Yes, I met Liz Taylor, kind of. We smiled at each other when we were in Con. And what was that? That was the comeback of the movie Giant. Giant. It was being re-released. It was an anniversary. Uh-huh. And she came out there. So it was shortly before she passed away. That was in 2003, yeah. I think, right. when we were at the Cannes Film Festival. We didn't win, but we did have some films playing in the Cannes Film Festival. We did, yes. Mm-hmm. We actually had a lot of fun. We sure did. Had a lot of fun. We started the Cannes Press Club. Yes, we did. We had art exhibits. Yes. With uh, art with, bombs. Yeah, it was called art bombs. As Bush was bombing Baghdad, we were in Khan bombing. Well, not bombing, but presenting art bombs, and it was actually a success. I think we sold a few. Yeah, and it was in that little uh, little restaurant called El Teatro. El Teatro. The theater, I wonder yeah. if that's still there. And we, we imported, we brought a bunch of uh, art from Los Angeles and we hung it in this little restaurant. Yeah, and now we have a bunch of art here, right. which you can buy. Which you can buy. More about that later. later. Check with us at drblockspleasureshop.com. Yeah. But I got to tell a little bit more of this Valentine's oh, story. Oh, yeah, 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 go ahead. So the story is that this priest named St. Valentine was marrying people during the time of Emperor Claudius. And was he some kind of uh, priest or preacher? Yes, he was a Christian priest. Oh, Christian. And he was marrying couples. It's all very beautiful. I mean, a Catholic or Christian or? Well, uh, back in those days, it was early Christian. mm -hmm. So I guess Catholic, because that was early Christian. And this was when they were persecuted. They weren't in charge yet. Mm. So he was marrying these people. And then he was caught. And then he was condemned to death. Did they put him in the Colosseum with the lions? No. No? They just put him in jail. Oh. Oh, poor guy. The jailer's daughter fell in love with him. And she was blind. And uh, it was a very chaste love because he was in jail. Right. So they couldn't have sex. Uh, maybe his penis wasn't long enough to go through the bars and, and yeah, no. I right. I, I get it. And anyway, it was chaste. Chaste. But he was able to heal her of her blindness. blindness. Uh-huh. I guess just before he died. And he was and martyred we, somehow. How, how do we know Maybe that? by lions, maybe by hanging, maybe by fire and brimstone. But then he leaves her a card that says, I love you, your Valentine, which was his name. And she knows she's been cured because she can read his ah. Valentine card. In it's comes the first Hallmark. Valentine card. Great story. Right. No, this story was created by Hallmark. <laughs> or maybe this story created Hallmark 
it's all very woven into the Christian church, the idea of purity. Well, p- part of the Catholic thing is that they don't want the priest getting married because they want the priest to leave all their assets and all that they have earned to the church and not to some spouse and some children and grandchildren. Right. That's, that's all. So that is one reason for celibacy. And it is all about capitalism, inheriting money, assets. And Valentine's Day is a fake story. There were seven or eight Valentines, maybe, and we don't know which was the real one. We don't know if there was a real one. It's such a pat story. We can imagine there wasn't a real one. Although there are notes left by lovers through history and certainly in the Middle Ages with troubadours writing to their fair ladies. Mm-hmm. This is a constant. And yet this story was created for Valentine's Day about a priest. Okay. And it's all full of it. Now, Valentine's Day itself, this time around February 14th, the heart, you could say, of Valentine's Day, this contrived holiday, this artificially flavored candy coating on a natural succulent strawberry. Well, there's a real juicy fruit inside. Hmm. There is. And deep inside the phony, saintly Valentine's shell is the original, the primal, the heart felt feast for all the senses, including your sense of history, with nothing saintly or celibate about it. And that is Lupercalia. And Lupercalia is what we love to celebrate here in Bonoboville, what we have been celebrating since 2007 or 8, I remember, we first heard about this holiday, which is a Roman holiday, which is the real Bacchanalian holiday. I'm from Rome myself. You're from Rome, I know. We bring the story always back to you, Captain Max. (laughs) And that is the way we keep your attention. That's right. Well, yes, yes. But in any case, yes, this is a Roman holiday, which is part of the reason for our fascination with it. Mm. And it's not a Roman imperial holiday. In fact, the Roman imperialists were a little kind of embarrassed about it Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, even mm -hmm. at the time of Mark Antony it was almost like this holiday it's so rowdy it's so lusty because the holiday of Lupercalia was created in pre-Roman times in the area we call Rome before there was Rome the holiday of Lupercalia is practically from hunter-gatherer times maybe not quite but a time of early farms in this land of Rome. Mm-hmm, What's that mm-hmm. area called? 
the, the area around Rome. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you call that. The Etruscan. <laughs> oh, oh, the, oh, yes, yes. The Etruscan area. area, right. <laughs> the Etruscans. Right around Rome. Exactly. Yes. And these Etruscans, oh. they came up with this amazing holiday. And it starts with a myth. Of course, all holidays start with a myth. And this myth, though, is a lot more basic. Maybe just as unbelievable. But the myth is that a king is overthrown. And when he's overthrown, his brother has the king's children thrown into the river. I'm not sure if I'm getting the relatives right. It might be a grandfather. But in any case, they're thrown into the Tiber River. These lousy twins. Yes. And often you are playing the king. You imposters, you. Who throws these children. I think he's a great uncle. And he's jealous of them. He doesn't you. want them you. overthrowing him, which, of course, they will eventually Ooh, do. Splash. And they go into the river in a basket because people didn't want to kill the kids back then. They wanted to just see what the elements would do. Right. Let, let nature kill them. <laughs> I guess. I guess it was their idea of some sort of morality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But these kids survived right. and they were suckled I always liked Suckle. that word suckled mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. reminds you of uh, Little's big tits right? <laughs> those were pancakes yeah. <laughs> okay so these were teats 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 it's related to tits but I don't know but it's, it's not called teats, teats when right. it's on a she-wolf and the she-wolf, in Latin, is the luper. The lupe. Right. And lupe. that's where we get the name Lupercalia. Okay. It is also where we get the name for a sex worker. A lupa. lupa. Is a word in Latin. Some it means hooker? Yeah. It means a sex worker. Sex worker. And okay. that is why the she-wolf is also looked at in a kind of sexual way. She's a nurturer, and she's also a kind of a sexual creature. And the looper is the name for the wolf, and the lupa is the name for the and that's where you sex see worker. You're sucking on the teeth. This she-wolf, the looper, in a cave, they called the looper cow. Right. And I know the wolf suckling the human baby. It sounds pretty crazy. But compared to other religious origin myths, such as the Christian notion of immaculate conception, it's not so far-fetched. In fact, there are documented cases of children being raised by wolves who apparently are more adept at parenting than some humans. 
So yes, the lupa is the Latin slang for prostitute, sacred whore, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a sacred whore, the great primal wolf milf yeah, yeah, of ancient yeah. Rome is kind of the queen of Lupercalia. That is the symbol of Valentine's Day. There are other symbols. The heart is also a symbol. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But this whole idea of exclusive love, no. This is an idea of a love that transcends compartmentalization, that isn't just about a couple, but is about nurturing. And it's also sexy. The great primal wolf milf, the looper. And it explains a lot, it, especially the suckling. It also harkens back to a pre-patriarchal time when sex work was not only legal, it was honored as the sacred whore. So, nurtured on wolf's milk, Romulus and Remus grow up strong, strong men. Very strong. <laughs> and kind of sexy. Oh, yes, strong, yes, strong. I don't know. I wouldn't oh, yes. like them. They're too very, militaristic. Very strong. I love the myth of Lupercalia, but I don't love all the characters. And even the heroes. I mean, it's a great story, but they're military guys, these guys. And hey, they were thrown into a river by their great uncle, so right. you can imagine. They started out a rough life. They <laughs> So they make army hammers look (laughs) privileged. Right. Look worse. Right. He's privileged compared to Romulus and Remus. They are princes, but they grew up with this rough life brought up by wolves. (laughs) And then a peasant couple bring them up. When they get a little too big for the wolf, I guess. I don't know. At a certain point. But they are sons of Mars. See, that's who they are with the, the queen, Rhea uh, Silvia, uh, played by Goddess Phoenix. The whole story is very suspicious. Work? It's how they explained yeah, no, single no, motherhood. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a beautiful explanation so that the single mother would not be ostracized. So that it would be considered that her husband, her lover, was Mars, a god. And that's why you didn't have a human man as husband. This was a god, or why she got pregnant, even though her real husband wasn't having sex with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. The, the ultimate cuckold excuse is, my wife is having sex with a god. <laughs> what can I do? <laughs> I mean, you are there's fucked, a god man. here. <laughs> no, I mean, hey, it's great. Your wife is having sex with a god. Go for it. Be a happy cuckold. Anyway. She was having sex with Mars, and it was a problem. So these are our sons of Mars. So they're tough. They're not Venus. They're not Bonobo, even though Valentine's Day and World Bonobo Day. Woohoo! So pretty soon they walk off, they go, and they murder their great uncle Amulius. And I guess fair enough, considering he tossed them into the Tiber. Although, it's a little violent for my taste. Yeah, and very revengeful. Yes. Keeps the cycle of revenge going. Right. So you get threw you in the river, so what the fuck, you're alive, (laughs) right? right? (laughs) And it's like, yeah, so you were abused, so what? (laughs) What? 
you extend the cycle of abuse. Well, that's exactly what they did. And they stole back their granddad's kingdom. And then they go down the road a few miles to build their own city on seven hills. They don't know what to call it yet, but they fight over a fence or, you know, a wall, if you're a Trumper. Yeah, right, right. probably a wall. Uh See, then as now, man-made barricades to movement can be big sources of contention. Yes. Right. And always a failure. So as Romulus (laughs) is doggedly building his wall, his beautiful wall, Remus is jeering at him and even jumps over it to say, ah, your wall won't keep me out. And then in a fit of humiliated sibling rivalry, reminiscent of the Judeo-Christian Bible's Cain killing Abel, Romulus murders Remus. Hot-headed fratricide being a recurring theme among both pagans and monotheists. A born politician, Romulus professes to greatly regretting killing Remus. Ah, yes. I regret that. (laughs) He's a Roman politician. (laughs) I don't want to go to jail. I regret it all. But, you know, he's busy. Don't stone me. He does not lose sleep before founding the city of both of their dreams, which he names Rome, after himself. That's what I'm talking about. Conveniently forgetting his beloved brother. Otherwise, uh, it would be Reem. <laughs> I'm not sure if I have time to finish this story. We're, we're almost out of time, yes. Uh, but the spirit of Remus lives on in a Roman college fraternity, the Lupercai Fabi, as did that of Romulus in the Lupercai Quintili. And here's where the mythology kind of turns to real history, or at least not so fake news. Every Ides of February, these two tribes of primeval frat boys would meet within a dark womb-like cave that they called the Lupercal, which was said to be where the she-wolf whore once suckled and loved their twin great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfathers. And here they would sacrifice a goat, honoring the obscure goatered god Lupercus, a spin-off of Faunus, the Roman name for the great Greek lord of the wild, that horny old goat, Pan. Pan, Arcadia. Right. Pan is the patron saint of the bonobos and of Arcadia. Arcadia. That's right. The bonobos are Pan Paniscus, so it is appropriate that it's World Bonobo Day. Because this is the holiday of Pan, the holiday of love, the holiday of nature. So, meanwhile, back in the cave, drinking a royal share of sacred wine, the Lupercai would shirk their togas and mark each other's foreheads with goat's bright red blood, which we would do in Bonoboville, marking with lipstick, not blood, don't worry, we're not that gross, and laughing ritualistically and drunkenly, all that sacred wine. And then they'd cut strips from the goat skin, making them into loincloths, a lot of juxlees at that time, and into leather whips that Juxley makes called Februa, which is where we get the word February. Happy February, everybody. Same root, 
a time for spring cleaning and new beginnings. Uh, February translates to the means of purification, the whipping. When it's consensual whipping, it is a means of purification. It is a kink. So thus equipped and very drunk, the Luperci left their cave, laughing and howling like wolves as they raced through the hills and towns, wielding their means of purification, their sacred Februa whips, gaily whacking the willing behinds of the villagers, many of them women, also probably a little drunk and consensual, looking for love, luck, and perhaps a baby, you know. They believed in fertility from these whippings, which not as scientific as an IVF clinic, but these whippings would turn into orgies. And yeah, so a lot of times it would result in a baby boom after Lupercalia with all that whipping and laughing and purifying. And it was a beautiful thing in a way. I'm not saying there weren't bad things that happened. I'm not saying non-consensual things might not have happened. Just as non-consensual dates often happen on Valentine's Day, you can get taken advantage of on Valentine's Day, believe me. So you could on Lupercalia. My point is it was a communal holiday. You didn't need to have a honey. Of course you could, but the whole place would break out into whipping and sex and feasting and fun. And yeah... Just as soon as the Christian church took charge, they censored Lupercalia. They took it right down. Just like YouTube took down my YouTube channel. They just took it right down. And they said, you don't need it anymore. We got Valentine's Day for you. Have a candy. That's what happened. They turned Pan, poor horny horned Pan, into the devil. The rest is satanic history. They took away the bacchanal and turned it into a date where you have to spend a lot of money and get a lot of pressure that it's got to be great. That's why I have your orgasms now just in case Valentine's Day doesn't work out, really. <laughs> you know, it's one day. Don't put so much pressure on one day. Uh, and that was another thing. They'd usually have a week-long festival. And we used to have festivals like this in Bonoboville celebrating Valentine's Day and World Bonobo Day and Lupercalia. It's a great time to celebrate. And we're going to continue to celebrate all week. And we encourage you to watch Sex Before the Internet. It's not exactly Lupercalian, although some of those real sex segments and our radio sex TV show were bacchanalian events that just are very special, very uh, seem pagan. They're not really pagan. We don't worship anything except ratings. No, I'm just kidding. Although they don't do Nielsen ratings anymore. But we got number one Nielsen ratings. Yes, Cut the Pentagon is writing here, I see. Why, wait, they did that to Abby also. Yes, and what he means is that we were censored by YouTube. My whole channel was taken down. Actually, I have another channel called Sex Calls. But my main channel, which had all of our politics, all of our FDR shows, was taken down by YouTube, terminated for no good reason. They said harassment. Who are we harassing? They wouldn't say. 
they wouldn't say that we are harassing anyone in particular or anything in particular, just harassment, whatever that means. And yes, cut the Pentagon. They also took down Abby Martin. And she is a friend of ours. She just had a baby. So we should applaud for that because even though we mostly like to promote sex for recreation, sex for procreation is great every once in a while. It's nice. Yeah, no, it's very nice. It's very nice. She had a little baby. Very nice. But anyway, back to the fact that she was censored. I mean, you can still see YouTube videos of her, of course. You can still see YouTube videos of me. However, very significant portions of our oeuvre were taken down, were removed, were terminated by this force that controls the public square unfairly. And I've heard since then that Ramzi Aboud uh, was taken down, a fellow counterpunch writer for his pro-Palestinian pieces. And it's really disturbing to see all of these leftist voices taken down. And I feel that it might have been the sex. We can't tell. Maybe that was what they meant by harassment. The fact that we're sex positive is somehow harassing. But I also feel that it is the leftist politics because that's what I see left and not right. Just left. I mean, the right is the complainers. They know how to complain, but the left gets censored all the time. We have got to go. So watch that on Vice, Sex Before the Internet, and get ready for a laid-back Valentine's Day. Learn a little bit about the history right now, the Lupercalian time, and make a donation to the Bonobos for World Bonobo Day. Celebrate that. Or how about Valentine's Day for the gals? Or Tortellini Day for the Tortellini Eaters? Mm. Right. How about ravioli? We're having that tonight. Oh, okay. Yes. Well, I want to have your big cannoli. (laughs) I had that this morning. It tasted really good. Mm -hmm. I'm ready for seconds. (laughs) Be good. Be happy. Try not to hurt anyone, including yourself. Make like bonobos. Celebrate World Bonobo Day, not baboons. Make kink, not war. Make love, not war. Make love to someone you love tonight. Even if that someone is you, I love you. Me too. Need to talk with someone about something you can't talk about with anyone else? You can talk to us. I'm Dr. Susan Block, your mistress of the airwaves, but my day job is director of the Dr. Susan Block Institute for the Erotic Arts and Sciences, specializing in sex therapy over the phone. Anytime you need to talk, whether you need serious psychotherapy or a hot phone sex experience, or a combination. My world-renowned telephone sex therapists are just a phone call away. Totally private, absolutely confidential. We listen, talk with you, advise you, role-play for you, fantasize with you, no fantasy is too taboo, and help you with anything from impotence to exhibitionism, fears to desires, fetishes to marriages. For more information, call us at 213-291-9497. That's 213-291-9497 anytime you need to talk. You're listening to Radio Suzy One on the World Wide Web.